Good morning, church. All I ask of life is a constant and exaggerated sense of my own importance. Author Ashley Brilliant said that. Hopefully he said that tongue-in-cheek. All of I ask of life is a constant and exaggerated sense of my own importance. Stories told of a very successful man, a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And he and his wife were driving when they pulled into this little country store with one gas pump and a service attendant. The successful man, the husband, went inside the store to pick up a couple of things. And when he came out, he noticed his wife engaged in a deep discussion with a service station attendant. It turned out that she knew him. In fact, back in high school, before she met her husband, she used to date this man. Well, the CEO got in the car with his wife, and the two drove in silence for several miles. But he was feeling pretty good about himself when he finally spoke up, and he said, I bet I know what you're thinking. Oh, you do, the wife responded? Yeah, I bet you were thinking, you're glad you married me, a successful Fortune 500 CEO, and not him, a lowly service station attendant. No. The wife replied, I was thinking, if I'd married him, he'd be a Fortune 500 CEO and you'd be a service station attendant. <laughs> talk about bursting your bubble. I know, behind every great man is a great woman. Or as someone else put it, behind every great man is a woman rolling her eyes. All right, a subject today is a hard one. It's pride. It's pride. C.S. Lewis called it the greatest sin in the world. Chuck Swindoll said, few qualities are more stubbornly persistent within us than pride. What does Proverbs have to say about pride? Well, that's what I want us to look at this morning. And so you can make your way into the book of Proverbs. Now, beginning today, we shift gears a little bit in our study in Proverbs to look at some of the punchy and pointed little Proverbs that this book is known for. And we're going to look at six topics for the rest of this summer and pull from various Proverbs that speak to that subject. So you're going to kind of have to stay with me here as we look at several Proverbs. Now, I remind you of the pamphlet uh, that categorizes the Proverbs by topics. This is not an exhaustive list, nor is it every proverb that speaks to the subject, but hopefully uh, this pamphlet can serve as a helpful tool for you in the future. I encourage you, uh, pick one up on the way out. It's in that back table, and maybe it can be helpful for you throughout uh, the summer or, or in some other time in the future. Uh, but at, while I'm at it, I also want to encourage you to read a chapter a day in Proverbs for 31 days. Now, maybe you did that in July. Well, it works really well for today because it's August 1st. And there are 31 days in August coinciding with 31 chapters in Proverbs. You do the math. Work at it. Look at it this next, next month. But before I look at some of the Proverbs, uh, these verses in Proverbs that speak to pride, I want to reach back to last week, okay? And so go with me to Proverbs chapter 9. Again, just briefly here, uh, we looked at this last week, Proverbs chapter 9. 
And as I pointed out last week, the layout of chapter 9 is that you have two dinner invitations. You have one dinner invitation, the first six verses, and then you have your second dinner invitation and the last six verses. And so the first invitation is from Lady Wisdom, verses 1 through 6, and then the second invitation is from Lady Folly, verses 13 through 18. And then there are six verses, 7 through 12, sandwiched between the two invitations addressing one's response to correction and rebukes. And we spent a lot of time on this last week. But how you respond to correction and rebuke will be the difference between walking in wisdom or walking in foolishness. Look at Proverbs 9 verse 8. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. You see, pride slides into your life whenever you have a contempt toward those who correct you. If you aren't teachable, pride is sneaking its way in. If you get defensive anytime someone tries to point out something to you, that really ought to be a flag, a warning. That pride is likely present there. And Proverbs 13 verse 10 says, Pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Do you see the contrast there in Proverbs 13.10? I mean, have you, have you ever tried to give advice to a know-it-all? Huh. It says there it only leads to quarrels. You're not going to get anywhere trying to counsel someone who has all the answers. They don't really want your opinion. They just want you to agree with them. Are you a know-it-all? What does Proverbs say to one who is wise in his own eyes? Proverbs 26, 12. There's more hope for a fool than for him. All right, that serves a a really smooth segue into our topic for this morning. Again, we're going to be bouncing around in Proverbs. You're going to have to keep up. And it really... Uh, It goes against my preferred style of preaching, really, uh, to bounce kind of all over the place. But after all, I did choose this book, so let's make the most of it, right? All right, this morning, I want to provide you for three headings, three headings that are going to give shape to the many Proverbs that address this issue of pride. First heading is seriousness of pride, and then the struggle of pride, and then thirdly, the solution to pride. All right, let's look at the seriousness of pride. Of pride, because I, I think we tend to downplay the seriousness of pride. We share other sins and we go, ooh, ooh that's awful. Pride, we go, yeah, I know. <laughs> Me too. We move on. Well, chapter six of Proverbs, this is God's take on it, it's his opinion that matters. And Proverbs chapter six, you can look there, verses six through 19, God lists seven things he hates. Chapter 6, verse 16, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Now, the the six-seven pattern is a poetic arrangement to show that this isn't an exhaustive list, but it's really meant to stress the, the final item on the list as the culmination or product of its preceding items. Okay, we'll see this in a moment. But I want us to see, first of all, what is the first one on the list? What sets it all in motion? Verse 17 tells us what sets it in motion. What's the first thing on the list that God hates? Haughty eyes. 
Now, we don't use the word haughty that much, but it means high. It means uh, to have an inflated view of yourself. It's to see yourself larger than life. You're up here, and everyone else is down here. Bart Starr, former quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, was describing to a group of businessmen how his coach, Vince Lombardi, held absolute power. And, and Bart Starr was talking to these businessmen, and he said, well, as you enter into Vince uh, Lombardi's office, you first notice a huge mahogany desk, and then, then you notice this impressive organization chart behind it on the wall. And, and the chart, this organization chart, had a, a block in the top, had two blocks, it had one in the top, and it was printed, Vince Lombardi, head coach, general manager. And then this line came down uh, from that one block to a very large block at the bottom, which was printed, everybody else. <laughs> kind of sums it up how he thought of himself. Here I am. Here's everybody else. Well, whatever you think of Vince Lombardi, uh, that's haughtiness. That's haughtiness. Thinking yourself more highly than you should is looking down on others. And it's interesting here that in Proverbs 6.17, it links haughty with our eyes. See, we say more with our eyes than we think. Our eyes betray the pride in our hearts. You know that look? It says, well, who are you to tell me what to do? Pride. Or the rolling of eyes, right? When someone's uh, talking to you at disrespect of rolling your eyes, it reveals something of pride inside. Haughtiness. Now, you might not think of it as a, a big deal. This is a big deal to God. We often speak of other sins that God hates, but the mention of haughty eyes as being one of those he hates, it kind of levels the playing field. And after Solomon mentions haughty eyes, you see it in chapter 6, he goes on to list six other sins God hates. And I, I tend to think of the rest of this list as the resulting a sinful behavior, which all begins with pride. I mean, you can check it out for yourself. This is kind of how I see it here, and it makes sense to me that, that from the haughty eyes, from a proud heart, comes what's the next one on the list? A lying tongue. See, we self-protection, that's a pride, so we lie. Violence, next one, is a result of pride. Evil scheming, result of pride. Rushing to do wrong. False witness all starts with haughty eyes, prides. Now notice the last one on the list of what God hates. One who stirs up dissension among brothers. Where does dissension start? I think you can trace it all back to pride. I mean, why is it, I wonder, that the evangelical church in America, with all of its vast resources, so often only makes such a minimal impact on its society. Why is it that believers, the church, can get all up in arms about the trivial matters of church, uh, church life, and, and lose itself in the incidentals, squandering its effectiveness in the world? Answer? Pride. Check it out. It begins, you see why pride is serious business? It's destructive. It says, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. God hates it. 
Chapter 16, verse 5. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Do you see your pride is serious? God detests it. He hates it. Why? Well, C.S. Lewis put it so aptly. Pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. It's really pride that says, I know better than God. It's pride that says, I don't even agree with God here, so I'm going to go do what's right in my own eyes. That's pride. We even think, I were God, I would do things differently. I love how Vernon McGee, a preacher of the past, put it. He said, this is God's universe, and God does things his way. Now, you may have a better way, but you don't have a universe. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) He's God. He has a right to do things any way he wants because it is his universe. I'm a created being in his universe. I must submit to him. We must surrender to him in his ways. He's God. I am not. So I ask the question, do you obey God's word even when you don't agree with it? Or do you kind of change God's word because something doesn't sit well with you? That's pride. I know better than God here. And when you go against God, eventually, you will fall. Everything around you will crumble. Pride is serious stuff. All right, seriousness of pride. Second heading is the struggle of pride. The struggle of pride. I titled the message, For Those Who Struggle With Pride. That's me. Pride plagues me. It shows up at the worst of times. The truth is, we all struggle with pride. And and, and I suppose if you don't think you struggle with pride, then you just might be the proudest of all. (laughs) Well, what are some some ways we struggle with it? I'm limiting myself to Proverbs here. Uh, What are some ways we struggle with it according to Proverbs? Well, one way it shows up is through self-praise. Self-praise. Look with me at Proverbs 27, verse 2. Proverbs 27, verse 2. What's it say? Let another praise you and not your own and not your own lips. <laughs> Draws attention to myself. Let another praise you and not your own lips. Now, praise is good, right? It is. Praise is necessary. We, we can all do better job in affirming one another and being generous in our encouragement. Spread it around. We need to praise other people, encourage other people, affirm other people. And when you're on the receiving end of that praise or that compliment, accept it graciously. It's pride that pushes away. No, 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 I'm not that. It's pride. Isn't and others noticing your good deeds and accomplishments, the problem lies in not doing it for that reason. So receive those compliments graciously. Let it build you up. Let it encourage you. Just be careful that it doesn't go to your head. All right, Proverbs 25, verse 27. Proverbs 25, 27. It says, it's not good to eat too much honey. Some of you say, I don't eat any. It's not, too, it's, it's not good to eat too much honey, nor is it honorable to seek one's own honor. Now, the second line there helps to explain the first. That's what Hebrew poetry does. It rhymes ideas, remember? 
So seeking one's own glory is difficult. How might we seek our own glory? Well, it's likened to eating too much honey. Much of it will make us sick. So to receive praise, to receive encouragement is sweet to the soul, but if we digest too much of it, it can cause problems. So to crave praise, to crave compliments in order to get honor is nauseating. There was a preacher who read his letter of resignation one Sunday morning, and after the service was over, he stood in the back of the church, and he told him he was going to another church several states away. And as he stood at the door in the back, this one elderly lady took his hand and said to him, you know, and there were tears just swimming in her eyes. And she said, oh, preacher, I'm so sorry you decided to leave. Things will never... The preacher was very flattered by those comments and thought to himself, you know how much they're going to miss his great preaching. He's starting to eat some honey. And in an effort to kind of receive more praise, the preacher then said, bless you dearly, but I am sure that God will send you a new preacher even better than I am. She choked back a sob and said, that's what they all say, but they just keep getting worse and worse. <laughs> that didn't go so well. See, it's not good to eat too much honey, nor is it honorable to seek one's own honor. It might make you sick. Are you seeking honor and praise by turning conversations around so that the spotlight's on you? And you know, this can really be cleverly disguised, even by self-deprecation, cutting yourself down. It can come that way too. I mean, it's really slippery. Self-praise is one way we struggle with pride. All right, let me move to the second way we struggle with pride according to Proverbs. Self-promotion. Self-promotion. You're going to see the word self in each one of these. There's a very interesting proverb in chapter um, 25. Proverb 25, verse 6. You can, you can look at it. It says... Here, 25, 6, do not exalt yourself in the king's presence. Do not claim a place upon, among great men. It's better for him to say, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before noblemen. In other words, it's better to wait to be promoted than to risk demotion by self-promotion. So what do you do to give an exaggerated sense of your own importance? That's what it's getting at. There's a story uh, told about a newly elected congressman, and he went into his assigned office on Capitol Hill. The only thing in his office was this desk, a desk chair, and a telephone sitting on the desk. Sat down behind the desk. He was starting to take it all in. How important he was. And he heard someone coming uh, in the reception area, and as the uh, footsteps came closer and closer to his office door, the congressman thought, you know, I, I want to look important. So he picked up the handpiece on the telephone, and he said, yes, yes, Mr. President, <laughs> I'm glad you're able to use my plan. Thank you. I mean, I knew, I knew it would work. No, no, sir, you don't have to give me the credit publicly. Just knowing my plans help to save thousands of lives is enough for me. And he hung up. The man standing on the doorway heard the whole thing. He says to the congressman, uh, Hi, I'm here to activate your phone. <laughs> we try to make ourselves a big deal to others. 
So we give off this impression that we're doing better than we really are. We self-promote. We do that many ways. We can, we can self-promote by name-dropping. We can self-promote by, by talking about ourselves incessantly. This com- competitive talking that, that turns conversations around, that put yourself in the spotlights. Oscar Wilde quipped, come over here and sit next to me. I'm dying to tell you all about myself. Watch it. Proverbs 30, verse 32. Proverbs 30, 32 says, If you have played the fool and exalted yourself, clap your hand over your mouth. My translation is, shut up about yourself. It'd be better to be silent, for many words may lead to self-exaltation. In words of many, Proverbs 10, 19 says, sin is not absent. He who holds his tongue is wise. Self-promotion. Self-praise. There's a third way we struggle with pride. It's self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. All right, go with me to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. Uh, This isn't Solomon's proverb. This is uh, sayings of Agur. Proverbs 30. Look at verse 7. Verse 7. Proverbs 30 says, Two things I ask of you, O Lord, do not refuse me before I die. First thing, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Second thing, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me, my, give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? See, the danger of making it to the top, to having too much to taking pride in our own accomplishments is a forgetfulness of God. And a self-made person will not be able to find joy in the accomplishments of others because you have to be one up on someone else. I call it competitive talking. Oh yeah? Let me tell you something I did or can do. Oh yeah? I can do better than that. Reminds me of the story, maybe you heard it, of a Texan and a Wisconsin daily, a dairy farmer. Uh, they were two self-made men who were going back and forth. Who is the most successful? The current conversation finally turned to the land that they owned. And the dairy farmer told the Texan that he operated his business on 125 acres. The Texan scoffed at such a small parcel of land. He said, that ain't nothing. On my ranch, I can get up at sunrise and get in my truck and I won't reach the other end of my property line until sunset. The dairy farmer snorted, yeah, I used to have a truck like that. (laughs) Bragging rights. Bragging rights. We do it. Here lies the problem with pride. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, pride is in competition with everyone else's pride. And for those who consider themselves self-made, there's always someone else. I mean, you just think, I got it. Or there's always someone else who's richer. There's always someone else who's cleverer. There's always someone else who's better looking. There's always someone else who's smarter. And on and on it goes. Self-sufficiency. Self-made people are miserable people because you never are really satisfied. Do you think of yourself self-made, self-sufficient? You got to where you are today by your own efforts? 
Do you secretly think that you have every right to be proud? That you, de- you deserve to be treated a certain way because of your accomplishments? Is there there's some conceit that's boiling up under the surface? Call it what it is. It's pride. Self-praise. Self-promotion. Self-sufficiency. See it? Self. Will you be open to the possibility that you struggle with pride? All right, what's the solution? Solution to pride? No mystery as to the solution. It's humility. Humility. Over and over again, Proverbs contrasts pride with humility. Proverbs 3.34, for example, and it shows up, the language is different in different translations here, but the New Testament helps us out here because it quotes Proverbs 3.34 two times. If I remember correctly, it was read, read this morning in James. It says in, in Proverbs 3.34, God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 29, 23 tells us that a man's pride brings him low. Scripture is clear. Pride humiliates us. Humility honors us. But you see, the problem isn't in knowing the solution. We know the solution. It's kind of the, of the story of, uh, that's told of a, a highly respected leadership consultant who was summoned by the war rooms to the war rooms by Winston Churchill uh, during World War II. And as the story goes, they needed a solution for the German submarines that were just destroying the British fleet. How do we defeat these submarines, they asked. That was the question to the consultant. Well, after hearing the problem and pondering possible scenarios, the consultant's face lit up, and he says, I've got it. What you need to do is you need to bring the ocean to a boil. If you bring the ocean to a boil, that will force the submarines to the surface where there'll be no match for your battleships. Everyone kind of looked at each other, and then Prime Minister said, okay, that's fine, but how do we bring the ocean to a boil? A consultant replied, you asked me for a solution, and I've given you one. <laughs> but I'm no implementation expert. How you accomplish it, that's entirely up to you. Well, that's not very helpful. I want to be helpful this morning. I want to say, okay, what you need to do, here's your solution. Humility. Go. Well, how? How do we exercise humility? How do we practice humility? All right, there's a lot of answers to that. But, but I'm just going to give you a couple here. One is, don't look around at others. In this context, we don't need to look around at others if we're trying to be humble, if we're trying to deal with our pride. Remember the parable that Jesus told of the two men who went up to the temple to pray? I think I shared about this back at the beginning of Proverbs, our study. You find the story in Luke 18, 9 through 14. You can check it out, Luke 18, 9 through 14. And, and you might remember it, the one... A self-righteous Pharisee uh, who loved to talk about himself, did the right things for the wrong reasons. He wanted to be seen by men. What did he do? He looked around. He looked around at others. He looked around the tax collectors and the sinners and he declared, I am thankful that I am not like other men. Like that lowly service attendant. Thankful I'm not like any of them. That person over here that's really got all messed up. I'm not like him. See, for those of you who struggle with pride, all of us, 
Don't look around at others because we can always find someone else worse than ourselves, which we think then excuses us for what we're doing. There's always someone we can feel better than. <laughs> Don't look around at others. No, no, no. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. Who is our test whether or not we're proud? Jesus. He's the point at which pride turns. See, we make ourselves big deals. Christ made himself nothing. And so I have to ask, am I like Jesus, who, for example, washed the disciples' feet, setting aside myself, my, my status, and my title, and my reputation, my position, my power, notions that people have about me, and I, and, and, I, and I lay all that aside, and I wrap a towel around my waist, and I get down to where it's dirty, dusty, and stinky, and be like the one I say I'm truly following. Am I prepared to wash another's feet? Not literally, since that spoke to a very cultural practice of that day. But stooping to love others rather than this absorption with self. That's what he's talking about. And it's countercultural. It is. Billy Joel said, I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. It's my life. I can do whatever I want with my life. Leave me alone. That's what the world tells us. Assert yourself. Have it your way. You need to take care of yourself first. And church, we've bought it. And we, we kind of put in some Christian wrappings and kind of make it sound a little bit better and, and say, you know, if I'm going to love my neighbor, I'm supposed to love myself first. That's what it says. That isn't what it says. Spend some time there. Now, I'm not saying there's no place for a sense of personal worth. No, I'm not saying that. But is gaining a healthy self-esteem the answer? Is a healthy self-worth required for us to effectively serve God, others, and His purposes? I guess it depends on what we mean by that. But I think, I believe that at any point it is my purpose to draw attention to myself. Pride is not too far behind. And, and it isn't just those that we might think of with huge egos. Because for the person who thinks of himself as pathetic and worthless and useless, that is pride. Why? Because the focus is still on me. Oh, no, I can't do any of that. No, not me. Not me. No, I can't. I'm pathetic. I'm terrible. No, not me. 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 Pride. So don't, don't just categorize this as those with big egos. It's there, too. Obviously, that's obvious. We are to have a correct estimation, estimation, estimation of ourselves. That means we need to be, have a radical reorientation from self-esteem to Christ-esteem. That's why you must keep coming back to the cross. When I survey the wondrous cross in which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on my pride. Pour contempt on it. What does it mean to pour contempt on your pride? Well, if you're here today and you say, you know, I don't need Jesus. 
I'm, I'm all set, just taking care of myself here. I'm self-made. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need you. You need to hate that as God hates it and come to Jesus. Well, if you're here today and you're at that place, you say, no, I've kind of made a mess of my life, and so I'm the one that has to clean it up. Pour contempt on that. Hate that and come to Christ in humility. He will not turn you away when you come to him in humility. It was D.L. Moody who said, God sends no one away except those who are full of themselves. Are you full of yourself? Am I full of myself? Or in some areas of my life, am I full of myself? Will you come to Christ today and say, I have a proud heart. Christian, where are you struggling with pride right now? How does it tend to show up in your life? See, we want the honor. We want the exalting. So we take control of it ourselves. And Proverbs says over and over again, humility comes before honor. God is the one who does the exalting. We need to have on our lips as we start each day, Lord, keep me from pride. And I would venture to say, that's not a bad prayer each day, but I venture to say, we need to say that probably throughout the day. Lord, keep me from pride. Help me to recognize it. Help me to be aware of it. Help me to see it in my own life. Because humility is a very tricky thing. It is a virtue which if you think you have it, you probably don't. Again, D.L. Moody said, Lord, make me humble, but don't let me know it. M. R. Dahan used to say, humility is something we should constantly pray for, yet never thank God that we have. Like the t-shirt I said I saw, I am humble and proud of it. You just lost it. What that tells me though is that dealing with pride, it's constant. It's, it's a daily dying to self, surrendering to Jesus, delighting in Him and, 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 and His ways. As Larry Crabb aptly put it. I must surrender my fascination with self to a more worthy preoccupation with the character and purposes of God. That's it. I came across this article titled, How to Be Miserable, and I'll leave you with this. How to be miserable. Okay, here we go. How to be miserable. Think about yourself. Talk about yourself. Use I as often as possible. Mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others. How to be miserable. Listen greedily to what people say about you. Expect to be appreciated. Be suspicious. Be jealous and envious. Be sensitive to slights. Never forgive a criticism. How to be miserable. Trust nobody but yourself. Insist on consideration and respect. Demand agreement with your own views on everything. Sulk if people are not grateful to you for favors shown them. Never forget a service you have rendered. Shirk your duties if you can. Do as little as possible for others. See, pride, it's a miserable existence. Not just for those around you, but you. And it's ugly in God's eyes. Church, God is looking for people who are humble. For people who will say, He's God. I am not. People who surrender all to Him and do what He says. People who take the spotlight off of themselves and put it on God. 
So, so for, for our close this morning of our sermon here, I'm going to ask you just, I'm going to invite you for silent prayer, okay? I'm, I'm not going to pray over you. I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for yourself silently, right where you are. And, and just, if you dare, ask God to help, say, God, help me to be more humble. Say, God, take the spotlight off of myself and, and help me to serve others and, and to be a servant rather than always fighting for my rights. I don't know how you want to word it. But you do business with God this morning around pride. You just go to Him in silent prayer. The, the worship team's going to come up in a moment and, and lead us in the final song. But I'm going to just invite you right now, silently before God, just pray. Let's have a few seconds, a minute perhaps, just to do this, okay? Just do business with God with, 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 with your pride.